I would like to you, – you say random stories, but I'd like to Go throw on. something random out there. The Rexfords – I don't know if this is proper, but the Rexfords are about to have their kitchen uh, demolished and repaired and all that stuff. And so I wonder, like, is it bad to, like, just throw it out there that I'm available for people to have me over for dinner, no, like, in June or July? That. I can't no, say that? No, you can't say that. Well, I Do could, you not remember? I could throw in for groceries. I'm not asking for, Oh, you for, want like, to bring food over. No, I want you to prepare the food. I'll come mm. eat it. But I could, like, give you some Venmo for, like, some of the groceries. I'm just saying nope. there's probably people out there who's like, I'd love to reconnect with the Rexfords. So why don't we have them over for dinner while their kitchen's demolished? When we were young pastors and Pastor Appreciation Month. If you want me to, I'll come over. <laughs> Pastor Appreciation Month rolled around, which was the month of October. Yeah. Uh, you and I, one Sunday morning, did a top five things that we would like to receive yeah, for Pastor not, Appreciation Month. We were sorry about that. And we got called into the office, and mm-hmm. we were told as young pastors, you stop it. Stop it. Get some help. Right. And uh, it was said very lovingly. And you got to learn that stuff. Very kindly. Right. And so I'm just surprised that how long has it been for you now, 45 years later that you've been doing yes, this? Yes, I've been here 45 years. That you're still asking for people to invite I you I don't want dinner. to do it for my personal gain. I want to reconnect with people. So... <laughs> I guess I won't ask. It's not proper, so never mind. Uh, Yeah, there it is. That's a good podcast. (laughs) It's basically, uh, we were asked to come in uh, to the studio. That's the first uh, time that they did it on video. You can go watch it on YouTube if you're really interested, Uh, or you can listen to audio. But um, uh, it was 28 minutes of giving an update on some important things around Fellowship Greenville, but also Matt and I just trying to make uh, one another laugh, which we love to do on a, on a regular basis. Like there were just the three points, and that's all we had to cover, and then the rest, we're just coming up with stuff for uh, 28 minutes. So if you want to listen to that, there's some stories of our childhood in there as well, and then important things like the ministry plan and the move to Adams Mill and all of that kind of stuff. If you're a guest, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, my name's Jason, one of the guys on the team, and we're thrilled that you're worshiping with us today. We would invite you to stop by guest services out in the commons after this service. They would love to meet you, answer any questions that you might have about Fellowship Greenville. If this is your place and you're thinking about taking your next step and getting plugged in here, which we're actually talking about this morning. Next Steps is also out in the comments, and you can stop out there as well and get some more information about continuing to get plugged in. I do just want to wish everyone a happy Father's Day, Father's Day 2023, a very happy day to all you dads and those of you with dads with whom you love to celebrate or even remember if your dad is no longer living I'm blessed. I have a wonderful dad. He is still living. And through the years, I've always enjoyed telling a fun story about my dad on Father's Day with his permission. And so I called him this week and said, Dad, I'd like to share this story uh, if it's okay with you. And he said back to me, you're old enough now to understand what happens when you tell stories about me. So if you want to have to deal with that, you go right ahead. So that ought to tell you where we're headed here just in the next three minutes. I like to call this story a walk in the woods. And uh, before I jump in, my dad is the quintessential uh, man's man. And all I mean by that is he knows how to, he knows how to get things done. Uh, he, he worked on the railroad for 30 some odd years. Like that ought to tell you about the kind of guy my dad is, put in a hard day's work. He's handy, he's resourceful, he can fix things, which means he has a, a shed full of tools that he uses to fix things that need to be fixed. And for the longest time, I thought I too would be handy and resourceful and know how to fix things because obviously 
I come from my dad and my mom. I can do this sort of thing. And then it became very obvious, I would say to my dad pretty early on in life, me much later, that I don't know how to fix things or be resourceful. And so I don't even have a shed. Actually, I don't even have, I have like three tools and uh, two of them are drills and I think they're still in the box. Anyway, that ought to let you know about me. It's a little bit of me. Can I be vulnerable for you for a second? Um, Early on uh, in our life, my, my wife and I's uh, wedded, wedded life together, uh, I made a decision that I should never undertake home projects on Saturday because I had to teach the Bible the next day. And I was never in a good place to teach the Bible 24 hours after I had taken on a home project. So that's a little bit about me. Like if something breaks at my house, I just put it up for sale and figure <laughs> just deduct that off the price, it's gonna be fine. So my dad and I are opposites in that way. I've mentioned it a few times that I grew up in the wonderful quaint little town of Welford, South Carolina. And that's where this true story, this is a true story, a walk in the woods takes place. Uh, One Christmas when I was pretty young, I was gifted a brand new bicycle. It was a BMX 360, really nice. As you can imagine with any kid, when you give them a bicycle, there were some guidelines put in place in regards to that bike. Interestingly enough, wearing a helmet was not one of them. It was the mid-1980s. We were all out there living like evil Knievel and uh, nobody cared. We were gone for hours at a time, riding all over our neighborhood. Now our neighborhood was fairly small and it was surrounded uh, by a lot of woods. So it was a young boy's dream when it comes to playing outside. We knew it was time for dinner when someone whistled or screamed loud enough for the entire neighborhood to hear it. However, one of the rules that was put in place, didn't have to wear a helmet, but one of the rules that was put in place is you have to lock up your bike every night (laughs) <laughs> in the carport. Now, if you're unfamiliar, a carport is a, uh, in Welford, it's, a, um, it's an open air garage. It was someone who was thinking about building a garage. And then once they got the roof on, they were like, this'll do. And so they stopped. <laughs> think of everything that you have. I have a garage now, I've really arrived. Think of, uh, think of your, everything you currently have in your garage and that if there was no door, or walls, like what you would have to lock up every night so people didn't just come stealing it. And so we had a carport and we had to put our bikes in the carport and we had to lock our bikes up so that no one would steal our bikes. So one spring, summer night, I forgot to lock up my bike. I left it in the front yard and you, you know where this is headed. The next morning, my bike was gone. It had been stolen. Now I was quite distraught and I didn't wanna have to tell my father uh, what had happened or why it had happened, but I did. I went into the house and I said to my dad, My bike is gone. He was sitting in his green lazy boy chair. And when I say his, I mean, it was his. And you know what I'm talking about. If you grew up with a dad, that that was his chair. So he's sitting in his green lazy boy. And I said, I, 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 my bike is gone. And he said, did you lock it up? And I said, I did not. And then he got up from his chair and he walked back into the bedroom and he came walking back out with a pistol. (laughs) This was a different time and era. I don't need the emails. I'm fine, everybody's fine. And I said, when he came walking back down the hallway, I said, Dad, I'm really sorry. <laughs> he, never, he, he never said a word. He took the pistol and he tucked it in the back of his pants and he walked out the door and he walked off into the woods. Like I watched him walk off into the woods without saying anything to me. And about 45 minutes later, he came back walking out of the woods, pushing my bicycle that had been stolen. I did not ask any questions. (laughs) There's a few things that I know. One, my dad never went to jail. 
And secondly, I never left my bike unlocked again. So happy Father's Day to all you dads out there trying to teach your kids some responsibility and finding yourself exhausted from walking into the woods of life to help them out in their time of need. Keep up the good work. Way to go, dads. All right, there you go. That's my story. One of many, one of many. Hey, when I spoke uh, back on Mother's Day, I shared some exciting opportunities before us. Uh, Not only the chance to multiply our community to reach our community down Highway 14 at Adams Mill. By the way, if you're not following us on all things social media, it's not just a plug for a podcast. Like our team does a great job of keeping information in front of everybody. And it was, I don't know if a lot of you did see it. It was just posted this past week that we officially closed on the property down at Adams Mill. All the papers have been signed. So we're excited about that. More information to come as we get into August and September, but we're really pumped about it. Uh, But when I spoke on May 14th, I also talked about briefly the Upstate Church Collective and how it has continued to grow and be built out and how we are stepping towards a new church plant over on Pelham Road and the possibility of a church plant out in Woodruff. And since we last chatted, I wanted to give a quick update and tell you more information and also let you know that more is on the way in regards to these two church plants. Charlie and I and a few other leaders from Fellowship and Summit Church gathered at the end of May at the Swain Barn in Woodruff, and we had an encouraging conversation. There were about 55 adults there and then a bunch of kids running around in the vineyard, and uh, we were talking about uh, church planting in this growing area and what that might look like. We have community groups that meet in the Woodruff area and right down the road in the Reedville area, and so we're praying that those community groups would continue to grow. There's a group of people in this geography that's already been praying for some period of time and about the possibility of having a church, a local church uh, out in that area. So would you keep praying with us about that? We're continuing to meet and talk and strategize. We wanna join God where he's working. We've said that repeatedly. And so if he's working in such a way that we could plant a local church in the fellowship uh, in the Woodruff area, we would be all about that. And then the the Pelham Road uh, uh, um, church, There is a church that's been meeting for a really long time on Pelham Road. It's called Pelham Road Christian Fellowship. And they are concluding their ministry uh, as a local church here at the end of June. And then in September, through the Upstate Church Collective, we're launching a new church there that will be called Redemption Fellowship. This is the outside of the building. Uh, There's a picture of the inside as well. And uh, the one thing I just wanna remind all of you in regards to this is, this is a totally free, debt-free, paid-off facility on Pelham Road that we're gonna have the opportunity to launch a church out of in September. And Derek Harm and Sam Jones and their families, I think we have a picture of those guys as well, and a few others are gonna be a part of the core team. We think that folks from Fellowship will be a part of the core team and folks from Summit will be a part of the core team and folks from Pelham Road Christian Fellowship will also be a part of a core team that's launching Redemption Fellowship uh, on Pelham Road Uh, coming up in the month of September. We'll be giving more of an update even in July about this new work that is starting. I just don't want to rush past the fact that God in his kindness and grace has continued to put things in our hands that we want to steward well. I mean, the fact that we're able to launch a new work and be debt-free in a facility on Pelham Road is not lost on me. Like that's an amazing thing and I'm incredibly thankful for it. And I'm thankful for families that have already begun to meet with us and say, hey, we think we wanna be a part of this core team. And I'm thankful for Derek and Sam. Both of those guys have been a part of the Upstate Church Collective now for two years. And I'm thankful for the process that they've been walking. And so it's an exciting, uh, there are exciting days ahead. And I hope that you as a part of the Fellowship Greenville family are excited about that. So that's a quick update and there's more to come in the weeks to come. Let me pray over us and then we'll jump in and study the scriptures together this morning.
Father God, I am incredibly thankful to be able to join today with brothers and sisters in Christ, um, some who may be here today that are intrigued about what it would mean to follow Jesus and their processing and thinking through that. I pray that in our uh, next several minutes together that through your word, our hearts would be uh, reminded and encouraged of the great links that you, Jesus, have gone through to bring us into a relationship with you and then released us to share and show with other people how they might follow you. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' sweet name we pray, amen. So we're four weeks into our summer series here at Fellowship Greenville called Church Matters. And we have heard from so many of you about how encouraged and challenged you have been as we've talked about the biblical importance of the local church and what that means for us collectively. From the importance of truly belonging to a local church to the beauty and invitation of corporate worship when we collectively gather, this series has an intentional focus of reminding us over and over again of a few things. And Charlie talked through these things in the very first week on May 28th. These three things that we wanna keep coming back to over and over again. The church matters because the church matters to Jesus. He is the architect and the builder of his church. He died and he rose from the dead to bring his church into existence. And he promises to preserve and protect his church until the day he comes back. Secondly, the church matters because by its very nature and definition, it's unique from personal worship and other forms of Christian gatherings. And thirdly, the church matters because you can experience God in a regular local gathering of his people in ways that's impossible anywhere else. I read recently uh, where one author said it this way, nothing grows a Christian like a serious commitment to a single church week in and week out for years and years. Not conferences, not social media, not even personal devotions. Not there's anything wrong with those things. The local church is where mature Christians are slowly forged in the fires of mundane faithfulness. And because we see clearly from the scriptures that the church matters, we are taking some time throughout the summer to talk about matters of the church especially as the Lord in his kindness and grace has continued to grow us here at Fellowship Greenville. So we've been talking about belonging and membership and corporate worship, and we're gonna be talking about baptism and elders and serving and several other things. But I, this is my first time teaching in this series, and so I wanted to acknowledge kind of out of the gate that a series like this could come across as a little self-serving for those of us in leadership in the local church, particularly to those of you that are a little skeptical of the church. And we know that we have folks that worship here at Fellowship Greenville or they've been visiting Fellowship Greenville and uh, maybe they are a little skeptical. So you might be thinking, well, of course you're talking about how the church matters and that we should join the church more and be more invested in the church, like whatever maybe a slight skeptic take might be. However, our desire is to do what we do week in and week out when we gather together. No matter what book of the Bible we're teaching through or a summer series that we're walking through, 
our desire, our heartbeat is to continue to open the scriptures, see what God says through his written word. And in this series in particular, what the scriptures have to say about the church. And I just want you to know, I have been praying that the spirit of God through the word of God would speak to those of you that are skeptical. And maybe you're skeptical for good reason because of your past experience with a local church. Or maybe because you're just skeptical about most things. Maybe that's you. I think the other thing that a series like this does for people is I think it gives clarity to what you've been experiencing and living in as you've made this church family your church family. Here's what I mean. Most churches have a mission or a purpose statement. They have values, they have DNA that makes that local church not necessarily better than other local churches, but it does make them unique in some level. Then we have all of those things here at Fellowship Greenville. We have a mission and values and DNA. And what I love about this series is we get the opportunity, because we don't, we don't do this every week, we teach whatever's in front of us, whatever book of the Bible we're working through, but with this series, we get to show and explain how methodology and philosophy of ministry is actually built off of and developed around theological conviction, biblical truth, because sadly, not all churches do that, which by the way, might be why some skeptical folks are skeptical. And that's fair. With that said, this morning, I have the opportunity to talk about the theological conviction, the biblical basis behind our desire here at Fellowship Greenville to be a church that equips you with intentionality and disciples you with intentionality to do the work of the ministry that the church is actually called to do. Or said this way, your spiritual formation and my spiritual formation is essential to us being a church that actually matters. And if you spent any time with us here at Fellowship, you've heard us refer to ourselves as an equipping church. And this value of ours is rooted in what the Bible teaches. And a local church that is committed to equipping one another is a church that continues in the unity given to us in and through Christ as we mature spiritually, as we're formed spiritually. And we accomplish what the Lord has for us to accomplish as a local church in the place where he has put us. And it's all for his glory and all for his fame. So if you have your copy of the scriptures, would you open them this morning to Ephesians chapter four? And I wanna take a look at what Paul told the church at Ephesus about the importance of equipping. Again, because our desire, no apologies about it. We're very straightforward about it. We wanna continue to be straightforward about it. New people are joining us. We'll continue to be straightforward about it. We wanna equip you. Right? We want to equip you and disciple you. And that is rooted in what the Bible teaches. And so this morning, I want to walk through the beauty of being equipped and spiritually formed. I also want to acknowledge the challenges and the obstacles we face in equipping folks. And then I just want to offer some specific avenues in which you can continue to be equipped if this is your place. So this is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4. And we're going to pick up today in verse 7. It says this. But grace was given to each one of you, each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, we'll hit pause there for just a second. Obviously, we aren't teaching through Ephesians currently. So for context's sake, because context matters, let me say this. The word but here is a connecting word. 
to the point that Paul made in the first few verses of chapter four. And the point that Paul made in the first few verses of chapter four was this. The church in Ephesus, but also you and me, we are one in Christ. That in and through Jesus, unity has been given to us. That we are bound to Christ and therefore we are bound to one another. However, this unity is not uniformity, as in we are not all the same. Paul says to each one of us, grace was given, and he's not talking about saving grace there. He's actually talking about serving grace. He's talking about the gifts given to you and me to serve the body of Christ. The grace for those of us that know and follow Jesus of being given spiritual gifts, like every single individual who makes up the body is gifted by the spirit for the sake of building up and serving the body. Now, I know that some of you know that, maybe theologically, you've heard it talked about, but let's not rush past it this morning. If you sit here today with a relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ, that means you have been gifted to be a part, the building up of the body of Christ and specifically this body, this local body, because this is the local body that you have chosen. Nobody's forced you to be here. This is the local body that you've said, I wanna connect with, I wanna step into, I want to be a part of. Every one of you, not some of you, not those that have hit some uh, spiritual level, maybe that's what you think in your mind. I haven't walked with Jesus long enough. I still struggle with certain things. Nope, everyone who has a relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ, gifted to be a part of the body and to serve the body, to build up the body. And if this is your place, this body. And the unity given us in and through Jesus Christ is actually made up, and this is what's so cool, it's made up of a wealth of diversity. And our diversity isn't merely the result of our culture, or pragmatic choices or interest or what's going on around us. No, our diversity is a result of something that God has done for us in and through Jesus Christ. So he brings unity. We all have a common thread that runs through all of our lives if we have a relationship with Jesus and that's Jesus. And then after that, how you've been equipped to serve and build up the body is different than how other people have been equipped to serve and build up the body. There is this diversity in our midst that is all part of God's brilliant design when it comes to the church being the church and being a church that matters. Verse eight, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, Paul is quoting from Psalm 68, 18 here. Psalm 68 is a victory psalm. It's a song the people of God would sing when their king would come back from battle, having conquered the enemy and he returns with all the spoils of war, all the wealth, all the possessions, all the gifts, he also returns with the soldiers who had been taken captive by the enemy. 
So it is this picture of the king conquering the enemy and on their return to Jerusalem, they ascend to the temple where the king disperses all the wealth and all the gifts to all the people. And Paul, being led by the spirit, is picking up on this imagery and he reminds us of the links. Listen, he reminds us of the links to which Christ went to secure our victory, our redemption, to secure our unity as one body. So the reason this is such a big deal, I've said it before, I'll say it again because we're talking about unity today. If you were to open up my prayer journal and you were to see what I write a lot, one of those things would be, Lord, would you keep us living in the unity that you have provided for us in and through Jesus Christ? That's not something you have to manufacture. It's not something that you have to go make up. You do understand this, right? The unity has been given because of Jesus. And he went to the greatest length and paid the highest price to ensure that each of us would be divinely enabled by the spirit to protect and to support and to encourage and to mature this body, his body. Our very union with Christ is so deep, it is so pervasive that it extends to the fullness of who we are and what we live for. Do you see that? It's rooted in our very identity so what we do with the gift, the gifts that have been given to us reveals what we think of the gift giver. This is the reason we continually push back, I pray in a very loving and gracious way, on the spectator mindset of the evangelical church in the West in particular, where we show up and someone does for us. Now, let me say this really quickly. I know a lot of you sit here and you wrestle with, I hear you but you're having this dialogue in your head around spirit giftedness. Some of you feel like that's really intimidating. Some of you think, I think it's a little bit confusing. Some of you think I don't have a lot of clarity around it. I don't know what my gift is. You might be thinking, and I understand the intimidation and even the confusion. So I wanna practically uh, say two things to encourage you. And then I also wanna let you know that we're gonna come back and spend another Sunday morning this summer talking about spiritual gifts in particular. So this isn't the only time we're talking about it this summer. But let me say this to you, if you find yourself a little confused, not exactly sure. So a reminder and then maybe a, a call to action. If you are in Christ, then the gift, the gifts that you have been given, they are perfectly suited for you. Did you know that? And so if you want to discover your giftedness, if you wanna be equipped in your giftedness, then a real practical thing that I would say to you is begin serving the body. Step in and be known in a trusted community and let them speak to your building up of them. It will be revealed to you within the context of community. It's not meant to be a secret to you or to this church family. God has given you and me, he's given us divine giftedness for the good of this body and he didn't make a mistake. He's not trying to confuse you. He is not the author of confusion. There is no treasure map where you have to discover the hidden treasure that is your spirit giftedness. You possess the spirit, so serve the body, be known, and in time, it does become revealed. 
As a matter of fact, I would say it's one of the best ways. You can take a test, you can take an inventory. I know all the things out there. I'm not anti that. I'm just saying if you're not actually serving other people, then it's hard to let other people speak into how it is that you're an encouragement to them, how you're building them up, how you're equipping them in ways that you have been equipped. Does that make sense? Because this is the second thing that I would say. The gift or gifts that you've been given, they are for us. They're not for you. Will you be encouraged? Yes. Will God use your gift to strengthen and mature you? Absolutely. But your gift given you by the Spirit is for the church. The gift that has been given is to be given. That's why a trusted community must be part of the discovery of your gift because your gift will be evidenced among the community of God's people. And so we're not asking you to step in and serve just because that's what churches do. We're not asking you to step into community because that's what churches do. There are practical things that we're putting in front of you, but what I hope you hear us say today is those practical things are rooted in a theological conviction of the church being the church, a church that actually matters. And God in his kindness and grace, I hope you hear me in my tone and what I'm trying to say today, this isn't man, fellowship doesn't step into their giftedness at all. Actually, I think fellowship really does. And I love everything about it. But we have more and more people that are joining us. And so I wanna be really upfront that if this is gonna be your place, this is what we're gonna be calling you to. And this is the theological conviction behind why we're calling you to it. With that being said, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So not only has the spirit of God given gifts to the body, every member of the body of Christ, all of God's people in every place, But here in verse 11, Paul's making a distinction. The Spirit also gives gifts specifically to the church for the equipping of the church, the body of Christ. And the gift is a gift of leadership. And so he talks about apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So another quick commercial. Uh, We're gonna be taking a Sunday and talking about church leadership this summer as well. So I don't have to unpack all of this. Although back in 2021, I think it was, which is a long time ago now, I actually spent a lot of time on this particular verse on a Sunday morning unpacking it if you wanna go back into the archives and give it a listen. But just let me say this for this morning. God cares too much for his church to leave it without direction, without guidance and protection and accountability. He loves his people too much just to leave us to ourself. So he has given a gift of leadership to the church to, and this is really what I wanna point out to you this morning, to equip the church. That's what I wanna remind you of, or if you've never heard a pastor talk about it, that's what I wanna talk with you about today. We as followers of Jesus are called by God who went to the greatest lengths and depths possible to redeem us. We are called to help each other grow in Christ. We're invited to know each other and to be known by each other, to counsel each other and to serve one another, to be a part of seeing each other change and grow in such a way that we all look more and more like Jesus. That's the deal. Verse 12 says, he gave leadership to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That word equip, it means to be made useful. It means to be put right So what is the purpose of the leadership God has given to the people of Fellowship Greenville? Our purpose in leadership is to equip you, 
to come alongside you in such a way that you all, that we collectively are building up the body, the church, to come alongside you and equip you and encourage you to encourage you to minister and shepherd and to build one another up, to use your spiritual giftedness in our midst in order that the entire family of Fellowship Greenville would mature and grow. I don't want us to miss what Paul is saying because it is so foundational. So for review, each one of us is gifted by the Spirit of God. Everybody, it's an all skate, all swim, all play, like every one of us. Secondly, the spirit of God gives a gift of leadership to the church to equip every single member of the body of Christ so that every single member is doing ministry to build up the body of Christ. Lastly, the outcome of God's brilliant design is that we all mature and grow into the fullness of Christ. Now, When I say our theological conviction informs our methodology and our philosophy of ministry here at Fellowship Greenville, this is one of the important theological convictions that actually shapes things here. And some of you have lived in it and you realize you're swimming in it and other of you haven't quite realized you're swimming in it yet. And so we're letting you know this morning, this is what our DNA here is and what we value. But if you're a part of a church that is committed to equipping more than anything else, then practically that plays out like this. While we do have a full-time staff team here at Fellowship, our staff team knows their calling and purpose is to equip you, not perform for you. The questions we're having around the table when we gather as pastors and leaders and a staff team and as elders, the conversation is not, is everybody happy with us? How did we do? How many people do we have upset this week? And I only bring that up because there will be pastors all over today that will get in their cars and they will drive home because there has been something projected upon them that the only reason they do what they do is so that people will like it or not like it. And they'll give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down their Sunday on how many thumbs up and thumbs downs they got. And with no apologies here, we wanna let you know that we define success not with how many people sit here, although we are so thankful for the people that God brings here. I'm all for it, I love it. But we measure success with how many people are actually growing in their relationship with Jesus. People that are actually being equipped, that are stepping into avenues to use their giftedness to build up the body and to put the gospel on display. Those are the stories that we're trying to catch and make videos of and put in our monthly bulletin and talk about in regards to Jesus on display, our podcast. Those are the things we're listening for, looking for, coming alongside seeing and observing as we walk and shepherd people. That's really what Paul continues to unpack if you look back at verse 13 of chapter four. He says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 15 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Look at this, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when Paul says here, being equipped and using our gifts, that's about maturing and that maturing is essential to us not being, what does he use here, the illustration, little kids. 
If you're a parent, you know the responsibility of sound guidance for your kids. You also know that kids are easily fooled and quickly, quickly distracted, right? So Paul says our equipping and maturing is to keep us from being tossed to and fro by horrible theology, human reasoning, and the deceitful schemes of the enemy. That's strong. And this is one of the challenges. I said I wanna talk about some of the challenges. This, one of the challenges is a spectator culture. Another challenge to effectively equipping is it seems that way too many folks are tossed to and fro by horrible theology and buying into human reasoning. And Paul talks about this with the church in Colossae as well. I was reminded of this verse this week as I was studying. It says in Colossians 2.8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Paul, both Colossae and here in Ephesus, and we can fast forward to 2023, Hello Fellowship Greenville. We live in a world that is active. It is not passive. We are living in a world that is attempting to intentionally get you and me to listen to the empty philosophies of this world. And not just the empty philosophies of this world that you may be able to easily discern, but also the quasi-sounding Christian teachings that are actually false teachings and the teachings that are incompatible with the gospel because they're everywhere. They're prevalent, they always have been, as we see even looking back into Paul's day, and they will be until Christ's return. And God in his kindness, I hope you see it, and God in his grace, he gives us the church to equip us and to mature us if we are stepping into it. And that's another challenge, being intentional with our walk with the Lord, of actually stepping into it. Ephesians 4.15, what Paul does is really interesting. The instruction turns to imagery for Paul. He uses this picture of the church as a body, but he doesn't just say you are a body. He emphasizes the fact that the body is knit together by ligaments and tissue and muscles and all kinds of things that I do not understand. And he talks about all these things, hold the, they actually hold the body together. That's the point. This whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Everything about our bodies is intentionally joined together and I believe that's a significant statement. One of my friends said it this way, I thought it was so good. He said, I need you, you need me, we need us. I need you, you need me, we need us. Just spectating is not a legitimate option for maturing in Christ. No, we need each other so that we can mature in Christ. I'm actually gonna invite up a couple of my friends. This is Trenton Stokes and Zach Rigsby. Trenton oversees our uh, care ministry here and Zach uh, oversees our community groups. And what I didn't wanna do today is talk about equipping and then just tell everybody to go to next steps. Although you can go to next steps, that's a totally fine thing to do. But I wanted you to see like practically how all of this hangs together uh, you might not know this, um, when I came on staff two years ago, uh, one of the things that they put in my title, which I asked to be put in my title, was pastor of spiritual formation. My title was pastor of vision and spiritual formation because I truly believe, and we believe here at Fellowship Greenville, that those two things go together because equipping is actually a thing. And under the umbrella of spiritual formation is all things equipping and all things care and all things community. 
here at Fellowship Greenville. Jim Thompson is our equipping pastor. Zach is our community groups pastor. Trenton is our care pastor. Sharon and Mary Beth lead our wonderful uh, women's ministry. There's just a lot of different things going on, but it's not just because we're a church who feels like we needed to have some things going on. That's what I wanted you to know this morning. So I asked these guys if they would join me for seven minutes. So I'm putting a timer on us. And in the seven minutes, have each of them answer two questions for us. Zach, I'll start with you. Why does Fellowship Greenville have community groups? Because a lot of churches have community groups. Why do we have community groups at Fellowship Greenville? Yeah, so we don't have community groups to have another program or just have a place for people to get to connected so that they can have more friends. Like we have community groups so that we can live in authentic relationship with fellow followers of Christ so that others may be transformed by the power of the gospel. So our hope is that, in a commu- that those inside of a community group are transformed by the gospel and that the gospel is put on display so that other people are transformed by the, by the power of the gospel. Um, community groups is where we... Uh, where you get to learn how you're gifted and be given the opportunity to use that for others and to build up other people within the church. So. Yeah, so it has a you focus because we care about you, but it's not just a you focus. It's a you focus for the sake of us being able to continue to, to be the church. Now, I put you on the spot in first service, so you'll have it here in the second service. Uh, how many community groups do we currently have here at Fellowship Greenville and how many adults, because I know there's kids also involved, how many adults are involved in community groups here? Yeah, so 92 community groups right now with That's about 200 leaders and 1,000 adults, 1,500 if you include kids, so a bunch of kids running around yeah. in these groups. So again, this is a practical step. We talk about it a lot. How does a large church feel smaller? How do we think well about a large church being smaller? And we think community groups is one, it's, it's the leading way for us here. Like we would say this over and over again. If you're gonna step into a thing, step into this thing with us for the sake of continuing to understand how you're wired and how you're gifted that you can be invested in and that you can invest in other people. I mean, talk about that because Zach's only been here for two years now. Uh, last month, it was two years. Talk a little bit about the growth that we've seen as you stepped into this role and you'd be the first to say that it's not all about you. I get it. But at the same time, we have ratcheted up the intentionality behind calling people into community. What were community groups like when you arrived versus what we see now in, in regards to growth? Yeah, so we have um, about 600 and four, we had had past tense, yeah. had about 642 people in community groups about two years ago yeah. and between 55, 65 groups uh, when we started out couple of years ago. So again, I hope you hear what we're saying this morning. This isn't, hey, everybody do better. What this is, is the Lord's being super kind and gracious. And a lot of you that are joining us here are actually stepping into being equipped, whether you realize it or not, you're stepping into that. And if you are coming here and interested in here, this is what we're going to lovingly and intentionally call you into. If they want to connect in a community group, what's the practical step? Yeah, so I'm going to give you two practical steps when it comes to connecting to a community group. One, if you know somebody who is in a community group, talk to them about joining their group. Uh, no, there's nothing like a relational connection in stepping into deeper intentionality uh, within community. So I would encourage you to do that. But then two, what I would probably encourage you, we have a class that we call Community Group Foundation. Yep. We do that four or five times a year. Uh, and the idea behind that is that Everybody kind of, I mean, just the number of church backgrounds in this room, like everybody's bringing a different expectation and idea of community and community group. And so at that class, we unpack, hey, when we say this, this is what we mean by this. So that we all start out with a common 
expectation and vision. So that the next class is on August 20th. Yep. If you have any questions, there's a place called the Community Group Center out in the lobby. It's on the far right, so just long stretch right here. Far right, there are two community group leaders, Ty and Kathy Cook, that are there this morning. But you can go there to register, to ask your questions, and anything you might want to know. We are thankful for our leaders. I don't know if you missed it or not, but over 200 folks lead in our community groups. That's people who are using their giftedness and being equipped in their giftedness because we continue to equip them, but they're equipping other people. So that's just a real practical thing that I'm super thankful for. Trenton, would you take a moment and do the exact same thing that Zach did? How does care ministry fit into the overall picture of the spiritual formation and the equipping of people who are calling Fellowship Greenville home? Sure, thank you. Yep. Uh, when people go through a life issue, maybe a struggle, maybe some sort of suffering, uh, maybe just a time of lack in, in their lives, uh, care ministry exists to come along and, and shepherd and support our people so that they can continue to grow in their walk with Christ and to develop as devoted followers of, of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that looks like relational connection. It might be that we would pair somebody up with a Stephen minister, somebody that has gone through training that can walk alongside you one-on-one, -one -one, listen to what's going on in your life, uh, ask questions about what's going on in your heart. How are you processing what's going on in your heart with this situation? And then to pray with them, and it's about an hour a week, but uh, these Stephen ministers, they, they love to walk along and, and lift the burden, so to speak, of, of others. Uh, it could also look like maybe connecting somebody with one of our lay biblical counselors or maybe one of our women's ministry mentors so that if somebody comes and they, maybe it's just a part of their life, they, they, they've never been discipled, maybe in the area of grief or of hardship or of conflict resolution, and so in these environments, maybe that biblical counselor is showing you from God's word what it looks like to step into conflict, but to do it well. Uh, other, other type of support, we, we wanna be very proactive with marriages here at Fellowship Greenville. And uh, we've kind of tasked Mike Hawkins with all things marriage. And he leads a great ministry called uh, Reengage. It lasts about 14 weeks. And they do equip and train couples to facilitate and lead groups within that environment. Uh, and a lot of those people know they're coming, their marriage is not, it's shaky, it's not doing well. And uh, sometimes this is the last resort. But re-engage isn't just for the really bad cases. It's also for the good marriages that wanna be better. Yeah. And so for that reason, it's for anybody, yeah. any, any couple that wants to grow on that. And then we have premarital counselors, couples, that uh, take couples that are going to be married through about a, a seven-week process. They kind of pour into their lives and uh, just preparing them for what is yet to come. And then that, the remainder of that year, if there's an issue that comes up, a conflict or something where there's an, a listening ear that's needed, uh, or maybe just a different perspective, they can still meet with that premarital yeah. mentor couple. And of course, sometimes we find ourselves in life situations that just break us. We get, we're, we're in the middle of suffering and hardship. Uh, and for that, we have, we have ministries that come along to help move through some of that, like grief share for those who have suffered loss, divorce care for those who 
got married and thought that that would be forever and now they find themselves in the aftermath of what's transpired. Uh, And then also we have some people that whether it's due to just their own fault and some of the choices that they've made in life or maybe a habituated sin, or, or maybe they just don't know how to connect with Jesus Christ. It just doesn't seem to be, they don't know the way, the path. We have a thing called regeneration. And technically it is a 12 step recovery program, but I would say that regeneration is really discipleship on steroids. We don't, we, we say that regen is not just about recovery, but it's about intimacy with Christ. And we feel like if you can develop your relationship with Christ and grow it intimately that you will get recovery uh, thrown in, so to speak. And so those are just a few of the ministries. We've got others, Taste of Grace, Deacons, benevolence, like we could go on. But, a lot of things. How yeah. many people do you have serving, though, under that care umbrella? How many folks do you have be, that have been equipped and are stepping in to equip other people in regards to that? Uh, we have right around 400 people. I love it. I yeah, love it. So. so 200 leaders leading in community groups, so 400 people leading in the care ministry. That doesn't include all the people that we got. I mentioned women's ministry and our women's Bible studies and other classes that are being taught around here. So many people stepping in to use their gift to equip the body, to build up the body towards maturity. Guys, you did a great job. Thank you so much. We did go, yeah, seven minutes. You did it. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's Father's Day. We all got to get home and grill. You know how it is. I'm totally kidding. Not everyone's going to do that. That was a stereotypical man joke. Um, I want you to think about this. Based on everything that Paul has argued for in this passage, tell me a scenario, tell me an environment, tell me an issue, tell me a moment that we, this body, cease to need each other to grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Tell me when we don't need each other for our sanctification, for our spiritual growth, for our formation. Tell me when we no longer need each other to resist sin, to grow in repentance, to discover our giftedness, to invest in our marriages or our parenting. According to God's design, there is not one single environment, there's not one single issue where I don't need you, you don't need me, we don't need us. Which each part, working properly, makes the whole body continue to grow. I started by telling a story about my dad. I conclude by talking about my dad. He taught me a lot of things when I was little that I'm incredibly thankful for. He taught me about good work ethic. On the railroad for 30 years, a man who knows how to put in a good day's work. He taught me about uh, marriage because I watched him love my mom and love us. He had a lot to say about how we treat people. I'm really thankful for that. And his observational humor of life, I think I picked up on a lot of that as well, which I'm thankful for. But by his own admission, he would say when we were younger that outside of bringing us to church, which I'm so thankful for, he didn't lead us like he knew he should be leading us. 
And when I was in my 20s, so 20 some odd years ago now, I saw a real radical change in my dad. Where he uh, stepped into being equipped, he started making some practical choices. He'd always had good friends, he had a great group of friends that loved my family and loved Jesus. Some of them are here today. But he started serving other people. Today he gets together every Tuesday night at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> His name is Drew. They call it Drew's Days. And there's a handful of guys of varying ages that he's just investing in. I've seen him and my mom love our neighborhood, those that know Jesus and those that don't know Jesus. I've seen him step into being equipped and I'm just wondering, I don't know where you sit today, but if you're honest enough to say that you usually do just sit, it's not too late for you to start being equipped. This body needs you. You have gifts. And if you have been equipped, you're not done being equipped in your gift. Keep growing in it. We need you. There are opportunities each day for us to step into the equipping of others. Would you pray for me? And we'll close singing together. Father God, for the opportunity to gather today once again, with the men and women of Fellowship Greenville, I thank you. The ways that you have practically continued to grow us, we thank you. I pray in this moment for what I pray for on a regular basis, that we would continue to live in the unity that you have provided us in and through Jesus Christ, knowing that central to that is how we serve one another and central to that is us being equipped and actually serving one another, that we would continue to grow and mature into the fullness of Jesus Christ, built up in love, as Paul says there in Ephesians 4, 16. And through that love, this world that is observing us would see that there is something different about us and that difference isn't us, it's you in us. And we will thank you for that. In Jesus' sweet name we pray, amen.